It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the There Aren't Any Percussionists in the Memorial Room edition of the Monday check-in. So we can be back in our usual recording space. I'm Damon Jensen Hyman, one of the pastors, First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings. Glad to be with you and kind of glad to be back in our podcast space, but um, it is a little chilly up here. I mean, it was a 41 in here when I got in the room. So, so you've done a nice job of warming it up. Thank you for so that. 61 seems, seems good to me. My office is 72, though. Yeah. Keep your office really, really warm. Yes, I do. <laughs> it puts people to sleep when they go in there. That's kind of the point. <laughs> Is that right? That's also why we keep the sanctuary warm, so people can take a nap. <laughs> That's not what I've often heard people say about the sanctuary. That it's too... That it's too warm. Oh, see, I've been getting that feedback this winter. Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that it's too cold in the summer, that we have the AC turned up too high in the summer, but that it's too warm in the winter. We have the heater turned up too warm. Hmm. I, no, that has not reached me. It, it, it has reached me. What has reached me is awfully cold in here, isn't it? I don't know. Put on a rope, sit up front. Yeah. It could be warmer that way. Or go sit in the balcony. Heat mm-hmm. does rise, and that balcony can get toasty. <clears throat> but I think that it's important for people to know that for every person who thinks that it's too hot in there, there's a person who thinks it's too cold. That's a fair, it's a fair assessment. I mean, mm-hmm. so, so it must be about right. Yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay, there you go. The Monday check-in. Well, for those of you who don't know... <laughs> We sit down each week and we, uh, we study the scripture that will be preached on the following Sunday. Mm-hmm. We let the text speak to us. us. Uh, we speak about the text. I didn't say that as elegantly as you normally I do. I with questions. Oh, we let the tests, <laughs> text ask. ask questions of the text, let the text ask questions of us. Mm-hmm. That was what I was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so, but we, uh, and then we, uh, we conclude our short Bible study and talk about the life of the church, share a few announcements about what's happening. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally, we open with a prayer. Yeah. Is it me go or you go? Uh, how about you go? Okay. Love you, angry God. Thank you for your words. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your inspiration and your calling upon our lives. As we study your word yet again, I ask that, uh, that your spirit might be revealed to us, that we might begin to to find connections between these words and our own lives. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this upcoming Sunday is Youth Sunday. So our senior high youth have been uh, diligently working away and preparing a message and that sort of thing. And we have a couple of scripture passages for us to consider. 
The first comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58. This is verses 1 through 12. Excuse me. And it reads something like this. Shout out. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard." Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. And that's how that one reads. That was kind of a lot. And then from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, uh, and this is Jesus speaking. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
That's how that one reads as well. Greg, what do you got? Damon, what do you got? I got nothing. <laughs> Senior high, what do you got? Hopefully a lot. Uh, there's there's a lot here. Uh, a lot to process and chew on, I think. Um, that Isaiah passage does not... Prophet Isaiah is not mincing his words in that passage, is he? No, not really. Um, I mean, he's kind of... Yeah, so this is God speaking uh, to the prophet Isaiah and telling the prophet Isaiah what to tell to the people. Um, and it's essentially that you're kind of like, you're kind of being uh, hypocritical. Hypocrites. I was going to say that too. <laughs> That's the word that comes to mind. Um, the people are saying, why humble ourselves if you don't even notice God? And God's like, well, that, that's the exact opposite of humility. The whole point of humbling yourself is that you're not noticed, right? Right. And so God responds, look, you serve your own interest on fasting and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is that the fast I choose? A day to humble oneself? Bow the head like a bulrush? Lie in sackcloth and ashes? No, that's not what I'm looking for. Come on. You know, <laughs> you know what it is, right? It's to lose the bonds of injustice. It's to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them. Like, this is a powerful echo of Micah 6 8, right? Because sure, Micah 6 yeah. 8, or Micah 6 uh, 1 through 8 that we read in, in worship yesterday where it's the same thing. What are we supposed to do to, uh, to please God? Should we uh, sacrifice our firstborn? Is it a, a thousand rivers of oil? And God's like, no. No, that's not what I'm looking for. I've told you, O Lord, what is good. Or I've told you what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy or kindness, and to walk humbly with God. I mean, this, this feels like this is the expanded version <laughs> of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives you that feel of um, we sometimes put on airs um, to kind of puff ourselves up or to feel better about ourselves or to help ourselves to feel maybe more important than we really are. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And do that sort of under the guise of, well, this is in service to God. Right. Right. Um, and when it's really not, it's really just in service to myself. Right. And, and as you said, to put on errors or to puff ourselves up. But, but I do like that Isaiah f finishes this. Micah, Micah doesn't necessarily end on a high note. But Isaiah in this passage at least says, well, if, if you do this right, if you do share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, uh, if you help to let the oppressed go free, then, and, and then we have this, says, your light shall break forth like the dawn, your healing shall spring up quickly. You shall call the Lord, you will cry for help, and God will say, here I am. If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs afflicted, your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noon day. So, I, I, it's, it's beautiful poetry. And yeah, it's a bit of an if-then. Yeah. Kind of a, yeah, kind of a statement, right? Um, and this is... 
trying to which I which part of Isaiah would, this must be second Isaiah okay mm-hmm. so this is also gets kind of wrapped up in the uh, attempting to sort of explain the exile uh, and, right. and why are we why does it feel as though God has abandoned us um, to these foreign invading powers and and part of the answer is because um, because because uh, no one can live in your streets <laughs> right, right. cuz you you abandoned your call right as God's people you abandoned uh, the needs of the poor and the oppressed and the suffering and uh, yeah yeah you've not been uh, holding up your part of the covenant mm-hmm. right? to live as to live as my people I just think that the restorer of streets to live in yeah right that like people should be able to live in your streets <laughs> right that's you know it's not restorer of homes to live in which is interesting right um but like people should be able to survive and get by like in your public areas yeah um yeah which is is different yeah and so the 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 revised common lectionary they they pair an old testament verse with uh, a gospel verse and so this is paired with um the, the next section of the Sermon on the Mount, last week we studied the Beatitudes, the opening of the Sermon on the Mount, and then we get into this section of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus here is referencing the prophets and the law and saying, you don't get to stop doing these things just because I'm here as the Messiah. In fact, there's, uh, there's still some important stuff here that you need to be studying and doing in order to live as God's people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus definitely knows his scripture because um, he references it all the time. Particularly in the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yeah, and this... Uh, part of this also reminds me of the... Uh, how's it... I think I came to bring peace, so I came to bring... Fire and a sword, or mm-hmm. <laughs> something along these lines. But, um, I know the what has kind of caught the attention of the youth from this Matthew passage is <clears throat> is the very first line, <laughs> which is a good line. I don't blame them for not really getting very far past it. Uh, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? And kind of playing around with the idea that uh, salt is very distinct. Mm-hmm. Like salt is a very unique thing. It's one of the main ways that we use to describe the taste of food. Right. Right. Like with sweet, savory, salty, mm-hmm. <laughs> other ones that I don't really understand. Right. Um, but that's one of the main ones. And it's very, it stands out. When, when salt is missing from a dish, you know. Yeah, Jessica just bought a bag of tortilla chips that were salt-free. Oh, yeah. By, by accident. Mm-hmm. And she brought them home, and it was like 
oh yeah these yeah these this don't, is not these aren't as good as tortilla <laughs> chips that are salted mm-hmm. yeah fair enough <laughs> you know, like, and when there's too much of it yep. you know like, absolutely that's, that's that's a bit much yes. at that point mm-hmm. um and then sort of thinking about that if if we as christians are called to be um salt of the earth then part of what that means is that we are called to live um, in in distinct ways, right? Which I think is also similar to what the prophet Isaiah is saying. If you are going to be people of God, then you are called to live in a distinct right. Way, and and, right? This, and this is what it looks like, right? right? And it's, it's it's feeding the hungry when no one else is. It's um, letting the oppressed uh, go free, right? It's um, not self righteous fasting or theatrically humbling yourself so that others are noticing you humbling yourself, which is not humbling yourself at all. But no, it's actually these other things, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Letting the oppressed go free, responding to the injustices in the world, sharing your bread with the hungry, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's a distinctive way of, of being and of living. Yeah. And, and that also you have to be good for something, right? You have to be good for someone, right? And if, if, if salt isn't doing its salty thing, then you just then you get rid of it. There's no point in having it right. in the house. There's no point in adding it to the dish. It doesn't alter, you know, the color or the presentation right. at all. Um, so you just get rid of it. So, so if we as as people of faith, as followers of Christ, aren't living in a distinct way, then then what's the point? Right. It's, it's kind of the question. Right? Yeah. And, like, and then the, the second metaphor that Jesus uses, that you, you are the light of the world. Right? Um, so it's the salt and light, and the point is you're supposed to stand and shine brightly, not... Yeah. not Cover yourself, not not only give light to those that, you know, can pay the electric bill, <laughs> mm-hmm. but to give light to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, your your purpose is, is particularly to give light to those who live in darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, you don't add salt to a dish that already has salt to it. Right. Right? Like, you add it where it's needed. Um, and... There and also like salt and light, I guess as entities, are are uniquely positioned to do things that no other entities can really do. Right? Yeah. Like you really you really can't get salt flavor from something that's not salt. Right. And in my experience, I don't know. Science is doing things all the time, but you can't really get light. From things that aren't light. Right. Which seems obvious and also important, I think. Right. It's it's distinctive. Yeah. But again, referring back to Isaiah, not distinctive in a way that you're publicly fasting. I think no. later in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks about people who, who, uh, who twist their face when they're fasting so people know they're suffering. Yeah, I was th- I was trying to think if this was the same gospel that comes up like on Ash Wednesday and uh-huh. and like when you fast, do not 
be like the hypocrites who <laughs> do whatever, whatever, and cry out in the street so that others right. will see them. Right. But when you fast, fast in, in secret so that yes. only your God knows it. That yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I, I, Jesus hits on this, this um, and again, uh, it's, it's, it's as we said, Jesus knows his Old Testament and quotes it frequently or paraphrases it or refers to it frequently um, so that those who are reading can make those connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of this also always reminds me of um, the, the Benedictine rule. I don't know if you ever read the... So for Benedictine monks, okay. so Benedict came up with this rules for the monastery. Okay. And for people like they had to live by. Um, and one of the rules was um, had to do with the kind of the head monks. There I'm sure there's a term for them, I don't remember what it was. Like the head monks, if somebody kind of under their charge, uh-huh. So like screwed up and didn't follow and like was jealous mm-hmm. or something or you know or like didn't follow the just exactly the the rule or the guidelines um then the like the head monk was eligible to receive as much punishment if not more than the one, the who, one who committed the transgression whatever the transgression may have been right? interesting and that just and I, th- I it has to come from here right um therefore whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven like that the people who are in charge in the benedictine rule like, have the most responsibility right and therefore perhaps like the most punishment if they if they kind of uh, schluff off their responsibilities or or that sort of thing that that the bar is very high. <laughs> uh, I think that makes me grateful to not be serving in a Benedictine monastery. <laughs> and this is I'm talking like, like the original like rules, rules of yes. Saint Benedict. Yep. So I I'm not I have no idea how contemporary Benedictine monasteries are run, but. Right. But if we applied that same standard, you know, to the church, mm-hmm. um, yeah. then the elders on session and us pastors teaching elders would, uh, would be held responsible for the transgressions or sins of, of our flock. Um, that'd be tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but Jesus is pointing that out, that whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments or teaches others to do the same... Or doesn't teach others to not do the same, right? I think that's implicit there. Mm-hmm. We'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. I also like that in this passage, in verse 20, there's actually a compliment to the scribes and the Pharisees, right? uh, which we don't um, often remember. We, I think we would do well to remember it more often. But um, Well, Jesus is pretty hard on the scribes and Pharisees most of the time. But being hard on them only works if people acknowledge if there's like a general sentiment among the people that they are doing good things. Right. Right. So like for, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, which I take to mean that like 
Yeah, like the scribes and Pharisees are doing some good stuff. <laughs> and yeah, there's some things that I might disagree with them on. Yeah, because we if we move forward in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus points out a lot of the unrighteous acts of the scribes and Pharisees, or also also like the hypocrisy, similar to that Isaiah passage, that the scribes and Pharisees are doing things in public uh, for show instead of doing things in private for authentic faith. But publicly they put forth a very righteous message. Sure. Mm-hmm. But somebody has to make the, like somebody has to make the call for righteousness. Right. Right. Uh, so and it's hard to do that in private. Yeah. Yeah. So. And like, we only think that Sherlock Holmes is smart if his uh, oil is also kind of smart. I see where you're going with you this. Know? Yeah. yeah. Like Clouseau, Bumble, Inspector Clouseau <laughs> from the Pink Panther movies, uh-huh. he like bumbles and stumbles his way around. And gets away with it. Because, like, the people that he's opposing also aren't really all that. Yeah. You know. Right. They're not really all that much. But uh, who's Holmes's guy? Is, uh, Watson? Uh, you mean his nemesis? Yeah. Oh, there's multiple. You're thinking of one in particular? Yeah, it starts with a V, maybe. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like, kind of like Bond villains are generally... Yeah. They're evil geniuses, which yeah. makes Bond's daring do all that Seem more... even more impressive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because whoever he's opposing is competent. Yes. And maybe even a couple of steps above competent. Right. So you think that's kind of what Jesus is getting at here? To some extent, I think. You might be onto something. Because if everybody thinks that the scribes and Pharisees are just kind of bumbling, stumbling fools... Fools, it- and saying, oh, well, you need to be more righteous than them, is saying, well, that's not going to take much. I right. Can, <laughs> I can do that pretty easily. Right. Yeah. And I think both of these passages, both the Isaiah passage and this second portion of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, do reflect on the theme of my sermon last week, the, this idea of prophetic challenge. Um, mm-hmm. That these are challenging words, but ultimately they are a gift from God as they challenge us to live more like the people of God. Um, they give us a way, right? They're give, they're, Jesus is illuminating the path for us to say this is what it looks like. And Isaiah is doing the same thing. This is what it looks like to live as the people of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here you go. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm laying it out for you here. Mm-hmm. Now it's your job to follow. Yeah. And to live as the people of God is a public act. Right, mm-hmm. we don't hide the lamp; we let it shine. shine. Yep. Um, but it is not a boastful, overly boastful, right? Act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we we welcome the we welcome the homeless poor into our house. Well, that's a public act, right? To do that. But. Well, then Jesus says, "In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works." And give glory to your Father in heaven. So it's not so that they may see your good works and glorify you. Mm-hmm. Set you up as the hero. Say, oh, that Damon is doing such good work. Right. Taking in all those stray cats in his house. Mm. Uh, 
and you want to refocus the energy and say it's God who's doing this work for me and God is right. the one saving the strays. Yeah. I'm only doing this because of that whole like be a good steward passage. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not that Damon's actually taking stray cats into his house, but that was just a I'm not silly example to I thought be clear. of. Doesn't well, help that Hannah's allergic to cats, so it wouldn't go well. No. So, but <laughs> so I think this will preach. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll see on Sunday, won't we? We shall hide and watch. My mother would say, "Hide and watch." You just hide and watch. I'll be sitting. I'll be sitting in the front row. <laughs> uh, okay, what's going on in the life of the church? Well, uh, as we've mentioned uh, half a dozen times over the course of this broadcast, this Sunday the worship will be led by our youth. Uh, we're excited about that. They'll be uh, sharing the message, leading liturgy. Uh, I believe even the youth choirs are singing. Um, and it's going to be a good day of worship. We're, we're back to, we, we suspended our 8.30 service last week to hold a congregational meeting, so that'll be back uh, this week. So there'll be an 8.30 service, 9.15 Sunday school hour, and then 10.30 service, and then immediately following 10.30 worship, we got a potluck. Yeah. An opportunity for fellowship and uh, to get together as a family of faith and share a meal, and so uh, we hope you all will join us for that. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Wednesday night. So, oh, we'll just go to this other. Uh, also on Sunday, this past Sunday was the first Sunday of, uh, of Adult Forum series led by Wendy uh, Gwenap. Gwenap? Gwenap. I apologize. Um, who works with the United Way and a couple of other organizations and focusing on increasing quality um child care and access to quality child care um, in Hastings in particular, but um, I really, I mean, she works at statewide initiatives as well. So, um, so I had the first of their conversations this past Sunday uh, and she'll have the second of their conversations on this coming Sunday, February 5th. Um, and it's another one of these. If you missed the first one, that's fine. Hop in and out anytime. It, it'll you'll you'll be all right. We are confident in your abilities uh, to know what's going on. So, uh, and also uh, they will be up on our YouTube channel, so you can catch up if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, so that will continue on this Sunday. Uh, Wednesday night live stuff continues as usual this week. Anything else? Uh, gosh. You know, one of our stalwarts for Wednesday Night Live uh, is Nancy Graham. She comes in and helps out in the kitchen uh, nearly every week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she is going in for back surgery uh, on Wednesday. And so I would ask that we we pray for Nancy and that she has a successful back surgery so she can get back to being the amazing super volunteer that she is. And uh, when Jesus, when Isaiah describes this idea of... uh, Working humbly and under the radar, and just kind of getting the work done. That's uh, that's that's Nancy. That's a lot of other people around this church too. Mm-hmm. But um, sure. in particular, I'm just thinking Nancy's thinking about Nancy because she uh, spends a lot of time on her feet, and this is uh, going to be important. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Okay. All right. Well, would you close us with a prayer? I'd love to. Let's right. uh, let's pray. 
Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the prophetic challenge that you put in front of us through the words of your prophets and through the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. May we take these challenges to heart and may they cause us to examine ourselves and our lives and the way we're living them and think about how we might be able to reorient ourselves to live as your people so that we too can shine like a light before others so that people can give glory to you, God. Uh, We pray for all who are suffering and all who are facing medical decisions and surgeries, particularly this day we pray for Nancy Grahams, that she would have a successful back surgery and is able to return to being to shining her light uh, in this world, uh, in the PW programs, in our Wednesday Night Live programs, as a Sunday school teacher, and all the ways that she seeks to serve you. Continue to bless and guide our study of your word, and be with our youth as they prepare for Youth Sunday, so that it may be a Sunday where we learn from the wisdom of the youth and can hear what they have to say to us. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, then with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.